1: Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast and getting down to the business end of the season here boys. A few disappointing results for some of our Australian teams over the weekend. A few injuries um, as well which didn't help matters. We started off in Dunedin on Friday night. The Highlanders put on 61 against the Force. Oh my god a 50 point hiding for the Force We just they can't get this season on track. I think they've got to just think about next year, await the, the new coach and the new regime down there. Um, the Brumbies hosted the Crusaders on Friday night, and we already said without um, Bobby V and Lo Alessio um, there, it was going to be tough. And look, they, they had their moments, but still 37-26, the Crusaders ended up um, reasonably comfortably even with some of the um, twinkle toes of Tom Wright in this game. Um, Saturday we had that vaunted Pacific showdown with the Drua and the Pacifica. The Drua get a good win here, thirty-four over nineteen, and what was a really entertaining game out there. The Blues and the Reds again. It just the Blues are just showing off their class here, and they really are the team to beat at the moment, fifty-three to twenty-six. Some entertaining play, some great tries, and a little bit of trickery from the Blues as well at times in here. And then the Tars Hurricanes, which seemed just like a replay of that first Reds Hurricanes game down during Super Round, where the Waratahs had all of it in the second half. They were all over them. They go into halftime 15-0, but can only score three points in the second half while the Hurricanes got up 22. So 22-18, to 18, that finished. And then on Sunday afternoon, this Rebels team gave the Chiefs a real scare in a, in a game that I know I tipped – um, the Chiefs by over 30 in this one, but it ended up being 33 points to 30 um, with the Chiefs needing to score in the 80th minute. A converted try to get the win there. Um, the Rebels have a little bit to show for themselves and they they only got a few opportunities, but they seem to just take every one to get some points here. Where do you want to start, boys? Anything you really want to highlight out of this game? The only two more rounds to go in Super Rugby Pacific.
2: It's interesting that the Rebels are finding opportunities and and looking challenging. I, I think this is at least showing good signs for Carter Gordon. He's getting pretty involved. Uh, he's getting good minutes at ten. Uh, he's he's not succeeding every minute of every game, but he's he's getting that exposure and he's and he's showing his wares, giving them some confidence that he's a guy they should be persevering with. Uh, you'd think that they were very opportunistic in this game. The the tries that came. One was the Carter Gordon intercept, another was a bomb he put up and Hodgie just ran through and the, the Chiefs just let it land in between everyone. Hodgie's, well, sorry, it didn't even land, but the, no one got under it and Hodgie just caught it on the full and carved a nice S-bend straight on, under the post. So, yeah. um, like, w- weird, like, against the runner-play sort of stuff. But, um, you know, there's some combinations forming. There's, there's some good signs. It's just... Um, it's whether the the coaching group are the right group um, and, and what gives the rest of the squad a bit of a kick up to the next gear. They really need a bit of a reset like the Waratahs have had. Uh, similarly to the force who are just getting uh, sort of buried each week now, it's sort of dwindling hope for them achieving much this season. Um, it's going to be a very interesting era in 2023. I, I'm looking forward to that. I think that their reset will, will yield a lot of... Um, sort of improved performances and then you know we could be looking at three or sorry instead of three but four or maybe five strong Australian sides were competitive.
1: There has been a lot um, of conversations with the Kiwi players this year in the postgame sort of matches asking them what they thought of the Australian sides and they they definitely have seen a change over the last years um, over the last 12 months with just a lot more physicality it seems and um, just not being able to penetrate the line with as much ease and it's not just automatic that they think they're going to win these games now which is great to see the The TARS game was just disappointing in the end wasn't it they looked, they had like 90% territory in possession in the first like 20 minutes of this game but then just kind of struggled to get the points on the board and probably didn't get enough um, and then that with a bit of uh, injury concern with Isaiah Parisi, who's going to be out at least the next couple of weeks, probably till maybe second round of playoffs, if the Tars are still there now with what looks like an MCL strain.
0: Yeah, look, really tough on the injury front there. But I think, look, they, they started well. And I thought, you know, going into well half time at 15-0, I thought they were well in control of the game. And in classic Kiwi fashion, they just came out firing, scored some quick points, and then suddenly Tars were on the back foot. And, you know, I think that they're, they're the making of a, a really good team, the Tars, but they've still got a few weaknesses there. They didn't really keep their composure in this one, and that's something they've been really good at on the whole this year. Um, but yeah, I just think they need to be conscious of scoring points consistently, maybe taking the three when needed and just chipping away sometimes. Um, and not forcing too many of those passes. I think, you know, there's a tendency sometimes for some of these offloads to be a bit too ambitious and, you know, the Hurricanes kind of draw you into that as well with the way they play and you think you can match it. But, um, you know, still I think another game probably the Tars could have won but didn't, Um, but at least it was, you know, respectable and um, they still are obviously, you know, going to have an opportunity in the finals.
1: And Leo, what's going on with the Reds? Like, they got Jock back here. Was it just the fact that Blues are just at the tip top of their game at the moment? So no matter what they did, they were going to be fighting an uphill struggle here. Do you think, like, did they look different with Jock back sort of running things around or did he look a bit rusty?
2: Uh, Maybe a touch rusty. Um, Again, I think uh, just to even to cast across all the games, there was some weird refereeing, some some weird missed calls in a lot of these games, and it went in all directions. Um, some fairly flat passes, some a lot of in the side at the ruck, a bit of offside um, where where the play was pretty frenetic. People not getting back on side before jumping on balls, spitting outside of rucks. Uh, I don't think that helped because it kind of just it just throws the momentum um, in random directions, and you can be you know building some good phases, and then something like that happens. It should be blown up, or it should be your advantage but all of a sudden it's seven points against you. Um, not necessarily just for the Reds, but for uh, I think the the force actually suffered under O'Keefe um, their first few minutes, 14 points down straight away, and there was some sus stuff there that the refs overlooked. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Blues are just hot, hot form. Um, having O'Connor back, he looked – did he look a little bit slow to you guys? I, like He didn't look like he was playing with absolute freedom. I, I wonder if they brought him back a little bit. Um, ahead of schedule, uh, just to try and shore up their position mid-table or mid-mid-finals group. There, um, but yeah, they're they're really struggling without their proper front row. Like they really can't can't compete on that front, um, and and the, the back row as well is is certainly handicapped quite severely. And those two things are big parts of their game. Like their set piece is such a factor. The dynamics of of the the running forwards. So the the running front rowers, um, and then the the ranging back row. Saru didn't have a great game. Um, Connor Vest didn't really show up anything particularly good. So just big big um, dents in there in their usual game, missing big players, just not really getting those big plays, not getting those turnovers when they're under pressure. And just that against the best team in the competition this year uh, is pretty much how you got to that scoreline. It was good that they scored as many points as they did, but, yeah, they, they're not really competitive without that front row and back row sorted out.
1: And going to the Brumbies on Friday night, like where, where are the points that they need to work on here? I think we, we all sort of watched this and agreed that Iona had a bit of a shocker um, early on, like a charge down early that led to the first try then. Um, bobbled sort of the gathering of a kick that led to the second try then Um, got a couple of sort of drops as well. Like his first 20 minutes were just sort of the stuff of nightmares. I'm pretty sure. I mean, credit to him. He held it together and he did do some better stuff um, a bit later on through the game. Uh, But that really sort of seemed to hamstring these guys a little bit. And without Bobby V running through the middle as well, they just didn't quite seem to have the same penetration Mm -hmm. as well
2: yeah absolutely he he had sort of back to i don't know he he just looked out of his depth early on and and he hasn't looked like that um as a sub coming on he's he's sort of carried the end of games reasonably well without having to be too flashy he was just in all sorts and actually the most disappointing thing for me when when he didn't um receive that um that kick he he just didn't commit physically to to uh, recovering the ball, like he yeah. he tried to kind he of get it, to but spin himself right, but out of contact. Like, yeah, yeah, he he didn't want to take that contact, and that was a mistake. He he has to be, you know, wherever you're defending, you, you can't hide your ten. Teams will find him, and you've just got to put yourself in harm's way and secure the ball because if you don't, it's too easy for it to get just taken off your fingertips, and that's exactly what happened. So credit to him, he made a couple of good line breaks, um, got got some opportunities later on, but. That that just hurt the Brumbies too much too early, and they didn't have that really. Uh, again, the dynamic forward pack, the the heavy phase game, bustling through um, the mid sort of the midfield to just recover some momentum, hold the ball, play keep away, um, and and they were they were there late in the game trying to run the Crusaders down. They just couldn't quite couldn't quite do it. Um, was it was it that game? it Was a weird decision where Brian Loddington kicked kick the ball away when they were yeah. still more than seven points out he's like well, hang on you should be chasing this bonus point boys like they've they've still yeah. got the crusaders on the table by way of uh total wins but that was weird like that it's sort of i think they it were just done just they just didn't want any more they said there's nothing more to be gained here mm-hmm. and they'll be keen to get lolicio and uh and bobby v back next week
1: yeah, really weird decision by Lonegan in that one when they're around the halfway line. Yeah, it's sort of 82nd minute or so. Have go. you, you got to go for that bonus point because that will keep you in front um, of the Crusaders um, just based on points. I I wasn't aware, to be honest, that it was on total wins before it goes to points difference um, when they're tied on points. So I thought the that they dropped to third on that, but... Um, they, they are lucky that it goes on total wins. So they they do manage to hold on to that second spot.
0: And you just got to wonder whether it's going to hurt their momentum. You know, one going into the finals and two going into next week against a very, very tough Blues outfit. The Brummies were really flying. And, you know, we've obviously seen now how much a couple of really key injuries can do to them. You know, I think they missed an opportunity here. It wasn't to be, if they were truly injured and there was no option to play them, then. I think, you know, you got to feel a bit sorry for Rodney Iona. Like, he's he's had a couple of tough games for them now, um, and it really does show that maybe losing Pasatawa and Bailey Kunzel has been a bit of maybe a, you know, an ill-advised decision last year, losing both of them in the one year, but you know, what can you do? It shows the value of NOAA. And um, I think they're, they're good enough to bounce back, but I think this will dent their confidence a little bit.
1: And I think at the moment, that's probably less, less said about the, the force, the better at the moment. Um, they just, they need more time and they need a, a fresh start at this stage. Guys, we haven't mentioned the fact that Australia has got the male and female Rugby World Cup now, 2027 and 2029. We got the final word um, late last week, and it was definitely um, an air of excitement as we were going into the weekend. We had everyone wearing their scarves around, people talking about the, the excitement and what was coming in, just um, reminiscing of what it was like back in 2003 when Australia had it and how much uh, the Interest in rugby seemed to build and how they were getting a lot more people into the game. Um, do we do we think it's going to be a similar sort of stage? Have we got have we got the preparation set that by the time we hit that 2027 World Cup, we're going to be right up there and we're going to be challenging to get back into the finals or even take home take home the, the trophy?
0: Yeah, I think so definitely. I think that we've got the playing stock now that are going to peak at the right time there's going to be interest from other sports. Like, I know that we don't want to talk about league guys coming over, but that's going to be a factor. Some guys will make the decision early on to actually have a crack at being in that World Cup squad. And given we've got five years to kind of plan ahead, um, I think we'll be in really, really good shape um, for at least contesting, I think, the top three best sides in the world at that stage. Um, It remains to be seen whether Dave Rennie is going to stick it out for the long haul if he has the option obviously that's probably conditional on how we go next year in 2023 world cup but you know you've got to think if he does succeed next year that he might sign on for the long term and really try you know have two kind of bites at the cherry um i'm really optimistic about our chances come 2027.
2: yeah absolutely i'm, I'm the same that the crop that we we know is of very good quality from that under twenties group, and even the the year either side of that, those guys are making their way into starting lineups in our super teams now, if they're not already starring in them. And just imagine the the trajectory of of the best of that group coming through a Lions tour, coming toward the World Cup. The they will probably all want some opportunities um, to go to Japan to do their little sabbaticals just to sort of develop their game a bit further. I think we should be forward thinking and trying to facilitate that in a controlled way so we don't lose these guys. Um, but certainly they need to be identifying those those caps, uh, caps now and with five years to go, um, make sure you're involving them in these developments groups that... Um, what are the 40-man squ- groups called? The um, Pony. ponies. Yeah, keep keep the right set of people in there. And and maybe something that, that hasn't been done. We, I know Toby reached out to a few players who we thought were really um, good chances at making those squads, didn't get it. And they've often said that they haven't heard a lot from the Wallabies coaching group or, or Rugby Australia to give them some sort of um, confidence that they are still being watched and, and it's just not their time yet. Like there should be a bit more um, sort of, it's not, I want to say soft diplomacy. It's like soft expectation management. There should be people talking to these guys and giving them feedback. And while they can't be included um, in the, in the actual squads, they should be hearing about what they should be doing to keep them interested so that they don't sell up. We've got guys like um, Nick Frost, so he, he was obviously sort of fringe. He's that under-20s group, great asset. Like, he's going to be a, a player of the future for us for sure. And he's actually looking at turning around from his Japan deal, it seems. I don't think that's necessarily official yet, but that's the word um, we've heard um, through some of the reporting. Like, these guys are keen. And you imagine the the, the the opportunity to kind of take that same group of players who've tasted success at under-20s and go back-to-back. Back, um get them all together again for uh, an age 27, 28, uh, hurrah, like they'd be so pumped for that. We, we need to be pulling out all the stops, keeping as many players in the loop as possible, giving them lots of opportunities. It's not all about money. It's about opportunities and development. Uh, if they do all those things, then we've absolutely got the crop to do it. And it's just, you know, keeping that coaching group, the, the style of play consistent, getting all the super sides. Pulling the, pulling in the same direction, and reckon it's huge opportunities. It's it really has fallen into place really nicely with all these different tours and and the timeline and the crop of players. I think it's it's an opportunity I really hope we don't waste.
1: And we're we're already seeing like people are still seem to be re-signing and we're managing to hold people around. Nick White was a big um, announcement over the weekend. The fact that he's staying on. Um, in Australia for the till the next World Cup as well, um, which is good to see not, not thinking that he'll be around for the 2027 World Cup, that's for sure, but um, definitely thinking about a few of those guys that we've lost overseas, you're right, trying to bring them back into the fold. The other news that uh, only came out today was the fact that um, Quade Cooper, Samu Kurevi and Korobiti are all um, being cleared from Japanese, from their Japanese teams to be available. Uh, for the English Test series. Um, so there were words whether all three, whether any would bring back all three of those for that series or whether um, it might be two of those if he was looking to bring in uh, one of the more experienced second rowers from overseas as well, the likes of Rory Arnold. Um, but that I mean, I don't know where you guys stand on that, who you would expect to get brought back. <laughs> Um, the article that was sort of put out was sort of talking about all like the talent we have at Lock at the moment. I'm still not sure that we have the same level of talent um, at Lock at say that we do at maybe Wing at the moment. I don't know. What are your boys' thoughts?
0: Yeah, look, I think number one priority for me has to be Karevi. I think he really turned around our season last year. And a lot of that praise was put on to Quaid from people that weren't probably as familiar with the game and the inner workings of how the centers play into, you know, working alongside a fly half. But Quaid was excellent last, uh, last year as well. I just think Karevi, Arnold, and probably Korobiti, I think, for his work rate right around the park, I think you get a lot more out of him. And I think Jock and Noah are good enough to hold down the 10 spot. You know, I would like to see Quaid around the group, but if we're stuck with only three players, I think they're the highest quality
2: yeah, I agree. Karevi is a game changer. He's, he doesn't have an equivalent, um, mm. and I think the the crop of locks that we've seen coming through in like twelve months ago, when we were talking about Darcy Swain, like we're saying, oh, you know, he's having a good season, and we think he's going to be, you know, one of those next next young crop to to come through and and take over, and and he just had such a good season with the Wallabies, and has again dominated with the Brumbies. Like his his mall defense, his line outs, his physicality, his aggression, like he's already um, kind of matching up with people in, in a way. I don't think we necessarily would have said he was last year. Maybe we just weren't seeing it yet. Uh, I think Nick Frost is a massive asset. Um, I think people like Jed are having a resurgence. Caden Neville still hasn't really had his big boom chance, but he's coming back and and making a case. Um, There's a lot of locks out there and, if we had to prioritise someone else, yeah, I, I love uh, Coro Beattie, but we do have a lot of wings and, and we, we're not getting opportunities to test those guys out by just picking him ongoing. Um, there's sort of some different dynamics in the back three we can play with if, if we didn't have Marika there and didn't just select a, a you know a next best Marika in his spot. So I think, yeah, if, if we thought Quade was necessary, he's probably the second pick um after that you just got to look for someone who's elite in form um there's not really any fullbacks floating around that i can think of that's that's one thing which maybe we're a little bit shallow in depth um and then front row forwards maybe depending on fitness of some of our guys like when they're all fit we've got good numbers but um you know maybe bpa like is is a hooker more important now um that's that's something that's got to be consistent in the set piece that's probably my thoughts
1: Speaking, you talked about sort of Samu Karevi and like there's no equivalent. Last year we had him paired up with Len Ikitao. I just wanted to check what people are feeling um in terms of Ikitao's sort of safety with that 13 jersey this year, given what we've seen out of Paris um this season. I personally would think that he has outplayed Ikitao in this season, but we haven't seen him do it at the international level. Would you guys opt for potentially um, taking on the English centres with uh, with a centre combination of um, Caribbean Parise?
2: Um, not saying I've thought of, to be honest. I, I find in a lot of the Brummies games I've, I've said on the pod this year, Ikitao's not been the, the dominant player in a lot of those games. Like He's done his job, but he hasn't been the standout. He's, he's had some good moments, but I don't know if he's had... Bad moments. He just hasn't sort of shone amongst others, which maybe says he's doing a lot of great work quietly going about his business. Like their their 13 channel isn't exactly in tatters, so um, he's probably had some pretty good um, sort of health and, and fitness too. Parisi is maybe. You, are we going to lose him in and out? Like he's he's such a explosive player. Like he's almost. Goes in so hard, he seems to get a bit knocked around, and we lose him. Um, and he's maybe slightly more. He's, he's sort of gotten away from his discipline problems. Like the, the type of tackle style that he was um, toying with last year was a bit of a bit of a risk to us. Um, I certainly think it'd be an interesting combination. I, for me, I think Ikita is still worth persevering. I think he put the excellence around him, and and he just rises with it. Parisi's got some great attributes. Um, he, he might get an opportunity on the wing rather than at 13.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, I think, you know, that might be based on what Marika does. If he comes back, then, you know, it might be Marika and, and Tom Wright rather than Parisse on one of those wings. But I think in defence, Ikitao is still the better centre. And, yeah, he does probably concede a little bit of size to Parise. Um But I think Ikitao is a very smart player. And I think in combination with Karevi, that's a really nice um, balance, I think. Um, Plenty of potency in attack as well. But I'd like to just see say if he gets an opportunity on the wing, just roaming around, doing what Marika does, punching through the middle. And, you know, worry about the really technical number 13 stuff. Leave that to Ikitao. Um, I think that's our best way forward.
1: Yeah, fair enough. So second last round of Super Rugby Pacific um, and we're getting to that stage where like the sort of positions are almost set. There's a little bit of wiggle room in a few and you've got to start thinking about who you want to play in the finals. We kick it off on Friday night in Christchurch. Crusaders hosting the Drua. Um, boys, what do you think the margin is for this game straight off the bat?
2: I'm not going to overlook that the Crusaders will probably not play their best team um, but even given that I think this is probably I'm going to go 26 and a half I think it's still a pretty big, big score line that they won't be looking to do any more than make sure they get the, the three try bonus point point. Um, and I'll be trying to do that with some of the depth players
0: yeah give me 32 and a half yeah um. I think, yeah, regardless of the team, they just have the propensity to pile-on points. Drew a pretty loose in defence. Um, I think this could be a big
1: one, but again, it could be a really second-string lineup. I'll go big, though. Well, Toby takes it because it's 30 and a half there, so they're, um, they're counting on a, a big showing from the Crusaders. Personally, I think it's going to be closer than that. I think the drawer, uh if they play their top teams, I think they're, Going to be able to put on. I think if the Crusaders are thinking back to the team they saw versus the Hurricanes, that is not the druids top team. um It's the team that they put out last weekend, and these guys can combine. and You saw what they could do against the Blues back in Super Round, and I think they could probably do a little bit more of that and unsettle this Crusaders team. We then have the Reds in the Suncorp um, hosting the Moana Pacifica. That's late Friday night, boys. What are you thinking? There is this the time the Reds finally get back on
2: track here the reds have to win this one that's a that's a no-brainer if they unless they're playing um strategic silly buggers with where they think they want to be for the final series i don't think think they're in
1: danger of falling out if they do that to be honest
2: yeah and, and i don't think you necessarily want to leave yourself in a position to um have to go to auckland say like you you still want to be as high up as you can, and you also want to be playing well in form, combinations all firing, you know positive positive um, players group, positive change room. So um, this one, I, I think the Reds are definitely going to be up for uh, guys coming back. Hopefully, a little bit a little bit fitter looking group there. Um, I think the Reds would be favoured, and I think that they would be favoured by a good, I'll say, 13 and a
0: half. Yeah, I can't go past the Reds here. Um, I think they've been a little bit lackluster the last few weeks. You can see real frustration on Tate McDermott's face every time they lose a game now. He's not happy. There might be, you know, a few changes there from Thorny, but I think if they welcome a couple of their key guys back in the forwards, then they should do this pretty comfortably and I'd be taking them by, say, 16 and
1: a half. Toby, on the money this weekend, Um, 16 and a half is exactly what the bookies have it down as for this game in Sun Gold. yeah, Reds obviously four-game losing streak on at the moment that they'd be desperate to break. Um, be interesting what Thorne does. Um, I think you're right. I think we'll see a little bit of a change-up in that. We then head back over New Zealand on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Waikato, down in Hamilton, Chiefs hosting the Force. Um, this is not going to be pretty. I think after the Chiefs, I reckon, uh, might have copped a little bit from their coaching staff after their performance um, versus the Rebels, and they'll be keen to to show some dominance and make put some people on notice um, before the finals.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, look, the Chiefs were lucky to get away with that one. Um, I think the Force really are a better team than the Rebels on the whole when they play well. So I think they can test the Chiefs, but, you you know, you just see when you poke the bear like any New Zealand team, you you get a reaction. Um, Unfortunately, I think the Force are going to bear the brunt of that. Um, But I think the line, actually, in New Zealand, look, it's going to be big probably. It's going to be like... 13
2: and a half, I think. I reckon it's going to be more than that. Just looking at the lineup last week, that was their sort of semi rest week. Uh, they didn't play Gatland, they had T-T out on the wing, so a was on the bench. But I they played those...
1: oh, Joshua Winey, like he was back from injury with Weber, and they played them. Yeah, like but... that's their all black combat.
2: Yeah, but they, they also, they the other positions they changed, um, it feels like they did maybe take not the, the prime A team into this. Okay. So I think there's room for them to improve. And unless they're rotating guys in and out, he's had some time away. So uh, he'll be probably in there somewhere, whether they're splitting him in Gatlin 10-15. I'm not sure. Uh, it will be interesting to see, but that suggests to me that this is probably closer to the full-strength side than I would have expected if I didn't take last week into account. Um, I would, I'm going to go further than what Toby said. I think it's probably more like 20 or so, 20 and a half.
1: Yeah, and it's 24 and a half, so big, big um, numbers they're expecting from the Chiefs this weekend. Um, probably. Take the f- force. Take the yeah, force? Yeah,
2: I, I, I don't know if I think they'll actually get that much. That's disrespect. Like the force, yeah, it is. And, and the bad. force haven't really earned respect. But the Chiefs have been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. That They haven't been consistent, and that's why they're sitting sort of third-best Sort of um, borderline fourth best of the New Zealand teams They're, they're having these, one of these weird seasons Where they one week they come out and absolutely thrash everyone In 80 minutes of pure gold And other games where they almost lose to a bottom duel At the Rebels So yeah, I, I think that that's probably, you know, an optimistic mm. um, That gets quite that far out But who knows, Force have just been pretty woeful
0: yeah, and it's really only the last two games where they've been absolutely battered. And I guess when you get beaten by that much from the Highlanders, who are the worst Kiwi team this year, um, you know, I can understand, I guess, the line on on those sort of stats. But I think the force, they'll be playing for pride here. There's only two games to go. They're losing their head coaches, put in a lot of time with this team. And I think they'll lift for him. Uh, I think they'll keep it probably within, say, two converted tries or
1: something. But I, I doubt they can get the win. Mm. Well, then what are you going to think about this Hurricanes-Rebels game in Wellington at Sky Stadium, um, if you know that that's the line they're giving the Chiefs force? Um, do uh, Is the New Zealand betting market giving more respect to the Rebels after last weekend? Yeah,
0: I think they have to. Um, you know, Rebels' unexpected performance by them, but... You know, it's still not going to be a small margin by any means. It's going to be in the teens, I'd say, 16 and a half. Um, It could be bigger. I'm not sure. But I think that it has to factor in a little bit. The Rebels can be quite a strong defensive team at times. They put their mind to it. And, you know, they have welcomed back a few of their bigger names in recent weeks. I think that's starting to pay off um, with a bit of cohesion there. So... Again, not much to play for for them. They're still technically, I think, in the hunt for a final spot, but they'd need the Highlanders to drop both games, and I think they'd have to win both. Um, so really tough for them, but they'll, they'll be playing for that chance, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I'd be taking the Hurricanes comfortably.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the while the Rebels were uh, close this last week, a lot of those points came in sort of unexpected against so the run of play opportunities uh, don't think you can back that that's that's not a sticky statistic that that'll happen again they really need to show that they can build pressure and and uh, hold territory that's not how those points came I, i'm going to wedge toby i'm going to say 17 and a half or take everything above i think the hurricanes are not as obviously as good as the chiefs on the table but they're at home that's a that's a real cauldron for them there in wellington
1: yeah, the bookies have it at 19 and a half. So Leo plays the odds there and takes the victory. That puts it two and two so far this week. Um, then we head back to GIO Stadium in Canberra and Brumbies Blues. Obviously, after that loss last week by 11 points, the Brumbies showed something, then lost something, couldn't put it together for 80 minutes, which has been a bit of the story across a lot of the Australian teams. And the Blues just looking on fire here. Leo, we'll go to you first. What do you think?
2: Oh, a huge game, uh, top-of-the-table clash. Um, Brumbies hopefully back full strength and Blues, I'm, I'm not aware of them having any significant injury concerns following last week or even for the season. They're actually very healthy um, at the moment. So uh, as, as is often the case for these top teams, they've had a good run uh, with, with player fitness. Uh, look, the bookies will have the Blues favoured. They won't have the Brumbies favoured, unfortunately, but uh, that's not to say the Brumbies can't get the upset here. Uh, but hopefully there's some respect there for the Brumbies. Uh, at GIO, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip the Blues by three and a half. No, actually, no, that's going to be too low. I'm going to go six and a half. Um, I, th- I think it should be considered a fairly even battle, but the Blues have just been so good um, this last little while. So I think they have to be favoured and... Unfortunately, I'll be probably with a bit of a Kiwi boost, will be out toward a try.
0: Yeah, again, it's um it's a tough one for the Brumbies. Like I said, momentum is gonna play a part and the blues have all of that. I think bookies are gonna to have to give them that respect. I'd say minus six and a half um, to the blues. I think what another it's gonna be did you say it's minus six and a half? Oh, you can say the same thing
1: if you want, if you think that's... No, I'll, go, I'll oh, go I came minus. up three and a half. You can say at least three and left, left and right what, no. and try and cut Kiwi. down the order. There's
0: no... I, probably, I, the I, probably, thing I thing. probably need to see the team sheets, but maybe I'll go,
1: I'll go a step higher. I'll say eight and a half. Oh, mate, you should have stick with what you had. You both were on the money with six and a half. That's where oh. it is. That's tough. That's a Ridical. tough pill to swallow, Toby. I'm sorry, <laughs> That's all right. Um, the I've big, got to pay I, attention. I want to. I want to. So glad see I started cheating. I really want to see the Brumbies um, start for Loughlaningo. I think they keep persisting with Lonigan starting at two, and I don't think he's quite he's holding small. up. Like he just need and, they need flower in there.
2: And credit where credit's due. I've been watching. Mr. Foyinger on field, and his tackling technique has improved massively. I've seen him go super low, hitting guys' knees and ankles, but with hands, with arms, making real tackles, not just not just cannonballing people. So I'd like to think someone's got in his ear and said, this is a real issue. You need to solve it. When you're going low, get your arms in there and, and wrap them up properly. Uh, he made some great tackles, um, and, and, you know, without any chance of getting pulled up for that style that he was uh, showing off last year. So uh, that's really good. Like that's I can't believe it's taken so long for him to become a consistent <laughs> legal tackler um, for such a a player in such a um, important position in context of the Wallabies stocks at the moment. So saying same near dip, clear from his game. So that's excellent. I agree. He has to start.
0: I think it's just clearly a player that was uh, born in the wrong era. You know, if he was back in the prime of tattoo Pallotta kind of years, he would be an absolute, you know... Wrecking ball. Yeah, absolute leader in his position. But, you know, Flau's had a few, you know, I guess, concerns around his fitness at times. is had a dig at him. I think he's a really top-quality player if he can keep that consistency and actually get... More of an opportunity at Wallaby's level, I think when he's placed with that responsibility, when he starts consistently, he's a really good option. Um, so I'm hoping that he can get that starting starting spot back, and then potentially push for you know a Wallaby starting berth because you've you've seen Faleti Kai too, who guys like that fall out of form, be starting on the bench mm. consistently. Which is a, a real worry. I think Hooker is still a concern for me. I think if we're hanging our hat on people like Dave Peraki at international level, I think we're probably in for a rude awakening.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's amazing because I think for who you're going to start in the Wallabies, you're going to see him start, and he can't even. And they're not even starting him um, in Super Rugby under Dan McKellar, who is the Wallabies forward coach as well. So it's it's a little bit in worrying what? from that point of view.
0: It's it's either them saying, look, pull your finger out. You've got to do better, and like a slight punishment to him. Or maybe he's got some sort of niggle, and they're trying to manage his playing time. I'm really not sure what it is, but we've seen this happen over a number of years. There, yeah. When Connell McInerney will, will be in there, and he he won't even be in the 23. Like, there's been quite a few instances over the last few years where he'll just drop out of the squad randomly and then he'll come back in and he really does need to know his consistency mm. because I think, again, he's a real top offering, genuine try scorer and a good team man. So I think, yeah, he'd be a real asset if he's, if he's in shape and playing well.
2: Yeah.
1: So final game is Sunday afternoon down in Dunedin and Tars Highlanders here. The Tars obviously will be... They'll be happy with parts of last week, but obviously disappointed they couldn't finish it off. They'd be really looking for a win down in against the Highlanders, against the lowest matched um, New Zealand team. But it's not an easy place to go and play. We've seen every team go down there and struggle. Um, so where do we think the, the bookies are going to lie with this one? Mate, this is, this is a really tough one because
0: I think the Tars, again, have earned a lot of respect this year. Um, and the Highlanders coming off such a big win, it's a, it's a difficult one to call. Um, Highlanders probably still, I think, deserve to be favourites, even though they haven't been quite as compelling as the Tars this season. I'd say probably Highlanders by three and a half.
2: Yeah, but it's going to be something like that. The, the home ground advantage, the, the bump from the previous week against a, a team that was just diabolically poor, um, maybe with a bit of refing thrown in there, bock Um, but yeah, I, I, I can see the Highlanders. I'll, I'll go out to, I'll go as far as six and a half for this one. Um, bit disrespectful to the Tars. I think they should, they should, um, you know, they, they've won a, a, a game away from home already this year in New Zealand against the Pacifica. Um, it'd be a, a great achievement to knock over a, you know, a classic New Zealand team. So there's no doubts about their resurgence. I know there was a bit of um, kind of a bit of an asterisk next to that minor Pacifica game as a, you know, an, a, a New Zealand win, given that it's a Pacifica team and it's not one of the, the longstanding teams, but um, definitely with a shot at this one. And I think six and a half start on the Tars is probably not a bad bet.
1: Yeah. Well, they go even further, putting it at 10 and a half, And um, I think that is a oh, yeah. lot of disrespect. And I would have, No Parisi, though. If Parisi was there, I would have been like, "Nah, I think Tars are going to win this. Uh, I like. that. But no Parisi, I Mm. think, does. They just lose a little bit. I mean, I've been very impressed with the makeup of their forward pack at the moment. just seems really solid, and they have a lot of ball runners and a lot of people with good hands as well um, in terms of right across the park. You saw some of the passing from Jed um, on the weekend, throwing a 20-metre cutout ball to the wing to Peach. Um, You saw, like, uh, uh, Warren Vossiato doing the just basketball pass to get it out wide as well. Um, And then Gamble linking up with Parise to um, set up a try there too. Um, Unfortunately, they won't have Paddy Ryan either, who obviously copped that red card at the end of the game. Welcome back to New South Wales. Oh, wait, you've got a red card in this suspension, mate. Um, We got paid up
2: front.
1: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. Part of...
0: Part of me felt bad for him, but it was just classic Paddy Ryan, wasn't it? This brought back those memories of knocking on in the last minute of play
1: yeah, or just, you know, punching someone.
0: It's like, oh, no. it's like, mate, come on. You're like he's been, I don't know where he's been, in Japan, in the MLR. He's been around a fair bit. Um, and obviously we were a bit tight in terms of prop stocks there at the Tars. But I was, I've actually been impressed with Archer Holtz. I think he's been pretty solid um, yeah, in the time yeah, that he's absolutely. had. And, um, I think a prospect to look out for in the future. Taz should bounce back here. I think Coleman will be really pumping them up for this one. He'll be pointing out the disrespectful line that's being put put into Betters hands, and I actually would back them to get a win um, mm. down there in Dunedin. I think they're a good enough team to do that, and maybe the Highlanders are going to get slightly ahead of themselves after they're... Trip over to Australia. And I yeah, I still think the TARS are a quality team.
2: Let's put our money where our mouth is this week, boys. We always we always say we would back them, actually get well, round line.
0: Like we're tipping around 80% consistently during the season based on Super Brew. So, you know, there's money to be made. We just aren't putting in the funds. We're not backing ourselves enough. But every year we're picking 70 to 80% winners. So mm. We should actually go for it.
1: Does Ed Med hold on to the 10 for another week or is this the time to bring in Donaldson?
0: I, I reckon Donaldson's a better 10. I think he needs to start. Ed Med had an opportunity, but I think he's called in in the last couple of games um, since the Crusaders win. So, yeah, look, I, I don't think he's, he's someone that probably needs to be persevered with, but... You know, is there a spot for him at the back? Would you chance him at 15? I just think Donaldson is a more compelling option at 10. Yeah. He's more I just of, think, I he's just more think they kicking. More
1: creative. Yeah. I just think, as well as the kicking, like he's got a bigger boot, which I think is just so handy when you go up, up in, um, go over to New Zealand to these teams as well. And there's not much difference his, in their goal kicking either.
0: And just his temperament as well. I think he's really got a cool head on him. Like mm. he makes things look easy. Edmund probably has the you know, propensity to get a little bit carried away in the moment, and he's a bit more of an emotional player. Donaldson, I think, really just, yeah, he's just that calming influence on the back line. I think if, uh, you know, if we're missing Parisi there at 13, which it looks like will be the case, and Fichetti needs to then gel with someone else, whether it's going to be, mm. you know, do you bring Newsom back in? Um
1: that's it. Your options are either you bring Roberts into twelve for Ketty out to thirteen, which I kind of hope they don't do because I haven't been impressed with what Roberts what has brought so far.
0: Tristan Joe, Riley is that someone who could play in the centres? He's centers. More of a not, winger. I
1: would. Yeah. I wonder if Joey Walton's still around now. I've seen him on the bench. I don't know I whether he's knee, Whether he's still, still he's still, still right. gone. Yeah. yeah so maybe be maybe sort of use him back into 13 which I don't particularly like him at fullback I don't particularly think he's I don't, he's probably the weak link in that whole back line at the moment um, but it's just we don't really have another 15 at the moment so whether you're putting um, putting in naanganesesi or something back into 15 for it, then
0: Dylan Dylan Peach maybe has the ability there he's
1: he's got he's a, a lot of he's got a lot layout. of skills yeah yeah
0: good defender um, but, yeah, I guess maybe this is the time where you just kind of have to bring Roberts in. I, I wouldn't be playing him at 13, though. You'd have to push Fiketty out, which yeah, I really don't like Fiketty at 13 either. I think he's a little bit slow off the mark. And actually having Roberts and Ficchetti together, I worry about our ability to, to cover some
2: of the faster outside backs. The high-landers yeah, the
1: Highlanders have. do have a lot of pace throughout their sort of back line. Um, and they seem to it's, it's well.
2: newsome isn't it like it's got to be newsome probably
1: the safe option
2: it's yeah it's not it's not exciting but it's safe and you know he's played a lot there before um, yeah. probably even around for while Parisi was injured yeah. last year yeah. out last Absolutely. year so and, and you've got some back three um, options where you can move guys around Yeah, maybe Edmed goes to 15 i've seen that um in a couple of kind of weird like upcoming sorry no, 2027 too far out world cup teams we saw someone had 10 admit at 15 which i thought was a bit weird but i anyway, think the actually, that people seem yeah seem there for that sort of thing and then you can keep your wingers in in position and you've Maybe got James back up 10. shows up again
1: a the, the
0: only other option could be Edmed to 12 and donaldson starts at 10 well donaldson's played 15 for energy. us
1: He's played 15 before you yeah, put but him in. If, if
0: we're worried about the centers, I think you could shift Fikedi out to 13, play Edmund at 12, and do the dual playmaker role there and yeah. leave Newsome at the back. Again, that might open you
1: up to kind
0: of another lack a combination.
2: Of, yeah. I don't think there's, is, there's,
1: there's no perfect one, unfortunately. And that's where this line blows out a little bit, I think, because <laughs> there will be an area of weakness that the Highlanders will target there.
0: They're hoping to have Parise back in the finals if he recovers quickly enough. So it might be a time for some experimentation in the last two games. But equally, you know, you really don't want to fall into that number eight spot if that's even possible based on the numbers. Um, you know, like you don't want to be playing the Blues. Crusaders is bad enough as it currently stands. But, you know, if they can either maybe face the Brumbies. I I reckon they're probably going to stay in sixth, which could be frustrating if we end up playing the Crusaders because I think that's when they'll start to peak. But, yeah, Tars, look, I think they've really got a strong chance against the Highlanders, but definitely might have to be looking for some solutions in that back line.
1: Mm, absolutely. All right, boys, we may leave it there. Um, thanks again for tuning in everyone and make sure you are liking and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate any feedback you want to send us through on our social media on Instagram at running rugby podcast or on Twitter at running rugby pod. A couple of interesting games here. We're getting close to that finals time. So we're going to see where this, where this is all going to end up and hopefully we're going to see a couple of these teams make a run of finals, but it all starts here. Just keeping a bit of momentum and, coping with sort of the injuries or, or differences that these teams are having to go through at the moment. But we're getting closer to the end and we're getting even closer to Wallaby season. So lots to look forward to. I know I'm keen. Keep on running.
2: Run.